We are encountering silence. Encountering silence is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Please visit patreon.com slash encountering silence to learn more about how you can be a part of the circle and share in our efforts to bring silence into our all too noisy world. This is part two of a multiple part interview. To hear part one, listen to last week's episode. Dr. Wicks, I was struck by something in one of your books, your book called After 50, Spiritually Embracing Your Own Wisdom Years. Oh, and yeah. I want to share I want to share this and suggest something. Yeah. You wrote, my wife, who is a religion teacher for primary grades, tells me there is a time-honored tradition in her school, and it is this. Students from kindergarten and their first grade may, with their teacher's encouragement, go into another class and interrupt the lessons in progress. They do this for a very special purpose, which they boldly announce through the use of a sign atop a stick, which one of the group holds. The sign says, poetry break. And so with that... <laughs> We love to ask our guests, we love poetry here, we love to talk about poetry, and we love if our guests have a poem to share or even like to share maybe poets they like to read with us. So I'm not sure if any of the above might work for you. Ah, yeah. Take your time, but while you're thinking about that too, I'm kind of curious as to to hear the background of that story. Like why all of a sudden did the poetry break? Like why? Well, if memory serves me right, the reason for it was to, in a sense, move people away from the cognitive and move them into something that is deeper. Yeah. You know, something that, in fact, that, that you know, they could really have a sense of, of experiencing in a way that that would allow them to feel life and to appreciate life. You know, and and I think that that was really the the classic reason for it. Now, as far as the the poetry, the 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 kind of people that that I like in poetry would be somebody like Billy Collins mm. or Mary Oliver. That's very popular. Yes. Yeah, but but the the reality of 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 individual poems, I sort of wish I had with me a poem that I would love to share with you that, in fact, what I did was I wrote for a new book that's coming out in March called Heartstorming, Creating a Place God Can Call Home. But I, I don't, I'm looking around for it, but I don't see it here. Uh, I thought I might have a copy handy to share with you. But my goal in the After 50 book, for example, was to be able to share some of of those prayers and reflections. So I, I remember the book, just like the book Snow Falling on Snow, mm -hmm. in that one I also shared a number of things that, that um, you know, that, that reflected uh, how I was feeling at a different level in a different way. So for me, poetry and prayer are, are certainly, uh, you know, twins. Uh, they should be able to to bring to the fore an experience that you cannot share in in prose. 
if you could, then there's no need for the poetry or the prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the sense of 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 having it in a way that that you can experience it uh, at more of a heart level, I think, uh, is the important thing. Well, you know, just as a along one of the lines, one of the questions we we like to ask our guests um, is that. Do you have a silence hero? You know, what we usually try to do is we say, is there somebody in your that represents for you who absolutely gets because you you stated very well in your first answer what silence was for you and how important it was for you and how it developed in your life. So is there a person that captures for you that essence of what silence is for you? There's ah, good. Yeah. A Robert Lack. Very nice. Yeah, Robert Black. Yes, and, who was who was friends with Thomas Merton? Yes. Yeah, he was his best friend, and mm-hmm. and what happened was, um, I had an unusual experience that I was reading this book by Giorgio, and it was called A Way of the Dreamcatcher, and it was based on his interactions with Robert Lax, the minimalist poet, who, as you said, was. You know, close friend of of uh, Thomas Merton, and after I finished reading it three times, and I was underlining it because I felt at that point in my life that I really needed somebody like him. That that I believe people go through three steps in their life. The first is self awareness, where you know they they. They could be fine in terms of the name they have for themselves, but but there's more to it. It's I mean, like Abraham was fine, but he was being called to be Abraham, the father of his people. And Sarai, unless she became Sarah, a woman filled with new potential, it 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 she wouldn't be who she could be, mm. not just for us, but for others. So the first is self awareness. The second is a sense of pruning of your name or your word or your sense of self. So for me, I think, you know, I remember saying to my wife, I have a new name and she's used to these psychotic pronouncements. So she said, what's your name? I said, enthusiasm. And she said, well, I really don't like it. (laughs) And I said, well, this wasn't meant to be a sharing. My idea was I would announce it and you would clap. That's what what I had in mind. (laughs) And she said, well, I, I don't, you know, I don't think it's you and it's too shallow. And uh, so later on, I came back with another word and I said, passion. And she said, well, I like that. I think it's you at your core. So I sought to really develop that. But at a certain point in life, I became intrusive in people's lives and didn't pace it or time it. So I needed a second word, a pruning word, and I picked gentle. And so I wanted to live a gentle, passionate life. And then the third call is a very mysterious call because it's not steps forward and it's not steps back into your shadow to prune your central identity. It's a leap into the darkness. You know, as one spiritual guide said to a person on the edge of that third call, he said, how are you progressing spiritually? And he said, oh, step by step. He was a very humble man. And he said to him, you can't cross a chasm by taking little steps. You need to leap into the darkness. And what is that darkness? It's making that second word, your central word, 
So for me, it's gentleness. And you might say, well, what's the darkness? And I said, well, the darkness is, is every time I focus on gentleness, I recognize in the past that I haven't been gentle. And when I try to be gentle, I fail so often. And then the sense is, well, why would you go through that misery, you, you know? Well, because when you do that, when you're called to take that third step after self-awareness and pruning this leap into the darkness, you you gain freedom. And if you're Christian, you recognize maybe for the first time what grace is all about, and it doesn't depend all on you. Well, Robert lacks for me when I read uh, Georgiou's book, The Way of the Dreamcatcher, really filled me with that gentleness and lived out through him. And, and then uh, I turned the corner. I said, boy, I wish I had something more substantial on him. And I was walking in the bookstore and I turned the corner into the religion section and what was facing out but pure act by Michael McGregor that really was a, a history of, of lacks and mm. and also involved, you know, McGregor's interaction with him. And so that became another book to read my underlines again and again and again. And so so he, he was a minimalist poet, but he also was more than that. He lived out a sense of spirituality that was one you could touch and touched you. So, yeah, Robert Lacks. You're one of the first people to ever cite him. I love it. Our conversation will return after this brief moment of silence. Please take a breath and be present in this 30 seconds of silence. One of the Thomas Merton uh, Society conference meetings was up at St. Bonaventure where they taught together. And one of the excursions was to the cabin that they used to stay in in the summer times and write together in, which was really, really lovely that it's still standing. Yeah, yeah. As a matter mm -hmm. of fact, I think the university is getting ready to buy it, uh, which would be great because then what would happen is it would be available you know? Yeah, mm, yeah, and that would be absolutely lovely. Right, right. That would be wonderful, Doctor Wicks. Just to let you know, I, I need to brag for um, one of my co-hosts. Car Cassidy is currently creating a film about Thomas Merton. Uh, so, oh, oh, that's terrific. So, yeah, yeah. it's a very and, fun project. And what's the angle that you're going to take on it. So it's um, using the audio recordings that he made while living in the Hermitage. And piecing uh -huh. those together alongside footage of the interior and exterior of the Hermitage. Because no and, one's ever really gone through that audio uh, recordings before, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. 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 So I guess is, the trailer is online. Cassidy, if you'd be curious, you could uh, you could see the trailer. You can see what she's doing. It's The trailer is beautiful. It's, it's quiet and contemplative in and of itself, the trailer. so. Oh, that's great. Great. That's really going to really, that, that will be 
something that will really enable people to revisit him. Mm. Because there are a lot of people who, who, you know, when they were in touch with him, they, they weren't mature enough to a- appreciate a lot of what he had to present. Mm. Or there were younger people who don't know him. Right. Uh, and I think in these really crazy times, that's an ideal, um, you know, kind of project mm. to reawaken uh, an interest not simply in Merton, but in silence, solitude, and in, in things that are, are are greater. So that's wonderful. You know, we've, we've mentioned Merton, we've mentioned Henry Nouwen. And so I think, I, I know we're almost out of time, but Dr. Wicks, I think I'd love to hear a little bit about your daily spiritual practice. How do you nurture your soul on a day-to-day basis? Obviously in relationship to silence, but you can, you can speak more broadly as well. Sure. I think there are, there are several things. One is in the morning, it's a wonderful opportunity for me to take some silent solitude and be wrapped in gratitude. Because I live such an intense life, it's important that there be something at the heart of that life that really allows me to, to have in Nouwen's language that stream within, you know, that, that, that refreshes it also allows me to have a discipline and a practice so that that no matter what's going on in my life, that's a steadying point. So that's the beginning. And then again, in line with now, and it provides a nest for the rest of the day so that I take advantage of, of breaks during the day. If I'm in the car, I don't, you know, in traffic, I don't, you know, simply complain about the traffic or put on the news or radio, but it's a, a space of time. Uh, and those disciplines are important because we often think we're going to recognize that we have them, but that's not true. When I was in Cambodia speaking to those trying to rebuild the country after terror and torture, a Buddhist nun came up to me and said, you know, um, she said, one of the young Buddhists is a, a, a chaplain in a unit where people have had their legs blown off and he's getting depressed and, you know, by, by dealing with these poor farmers that have stepped on mines and, uh, can you help me? And I said, well, sister, I said, it would help for me to know that when he's finished with his day as a chaplain and he comes down into his car and he sits there and he meditates, what comes up in his meditation that will help me give you feedback. And she stopped and looked at me like a, a deer caught in the headlights and said, I am so embarrassed. I said, sister, what are you embarrassed about? She said, I'm a Buddhist nun. And I never thought to mention to him to meditate after his day. I think we need what we might call in Christianity a rule of prayer, you know, that includes not simply meditation, but liturgy. Um, the word opening, you know, scripture in a way that, as Carl Barth said, when we say to scripture, what is this book saying? It says back, who is it that's asking? And also uh, reflections during the day when we're running to the bathroom or going for a cup of coffee or out at lunchtime, that we have that space where we will walk quietly and openly with God and and people say, well, I, I can't seem to sense God. Well, you're too busy in your head thinking. 
if you look at the energy in a city and experience it, if you're in a quiet place in the forest and you hear the birds that you've never heard, you're hearing the voice of God. The problem is you're, you're, you're not listening. You're hearing, mm. but you're not listening. So those are some of the things, the quiet in the morning, the, the availing myself of scripture, not to go back into the past, but to allow scripture to break the chains of modernism in the present. And I also um, have, have that sense of before I go to bed, I can walk through John's gospel in my head mm. because I've memorized a piece of, of uh, each chapter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and it took time because I have a lousy memory. It made my uh, spirituality a little more real rather than just vague and floaty. Because when it hits the fan, vague and floaty don't work. Yeah. So, so that would be some of it. Yeah, that's lovely too. I um, I, I did a lot of. I I teach at university as well, and and in grad school when I was doing stuff, uh, I did a lot of reading about the imagination and monks uh, memorizing scriptures so that they had tangible practices, like you were saying. That uh, so it's it's interesting you say that that you have that scripture at hand for you to be, as instead of have it grounded and not, um so intangible it's uh i think it's a powerful practice and you don't hear a lot of people saying they memorize scripture you know that's that's kind of interesting that you that you use it that way in that monastic way that's so wonderful to hear and it just can be a piece it's not right you know it's just that you know as you work through it and and you you start to catch the feelings of each of the pieces when you come to the end and and you you're sitting as you're ready to go to sleep or right after you get up and you you remember you recall Jesus inviting them come have breakfast mm-hmm. and feed my sheep mm. and then finally follow me those three pieces so it's it's not a lot of memorization but right it's trying to join with a spirit that you can lose your way well you will lose your way during the day right and, and it makes all the difference yeah. I thank you so much. Um, you know, the, I really enjoyed this book, and uh, I'm excited to hear you know this conversation with you. You're talking about all the Mary Oliver, Thomas Merton, you know, all the the same people that we are very interested in and and explore. So uh, I look forward to looking back at some of your other books and everything. So I appreciate your time um, and you know you answering our questions as you have. Um, thank you for being with us today. Oh, it's a pleasure. It was a pleasure. I think that that anytime we can get together and speak about something that is so important as silence, um, it really is worth the effort, isn't it? Mm, very much. Amen. Thanks so much, Dr. Wicks. Oh, you're welcome. This was good. I really enjoyed it. I did discover um, while we were chatting uh, one of the prayers, not not from the new book, but from one of the older works, uh, and maybe I could share it with you. Yeah, please. It's called The Circle. Okay. Lord, there is so much pain in the world. Where do I begin to help? Start in your circle. But when I help my family and friends, often they really don't appreciate me, but I do. And when I reach out to my coworkers, some suspect my motives. 
I know what is in your heart. Still, I think I should do more to help those I don't know who are suffering in the world than widen your circle. But by myself, I can't do much to lighten their great darkness. Yes, I know. That is why I am with you. If only I could believe you are with me, if only I could really see you, Lord. Open your heart in prayer and you will see. What will I see, Lord? That as you walk through the day, I am the center of your circle. Amen. So. It was a pleasure. All right. Be well. Take care. Bye-bye. We are encountering silence. I'm Kevin Johnson. To learn more about me, please visit kevinmichaeljohnson.com. I'm Carl McCollman. Find out about my work at carlmccollman.com. I'm Cassidy Hall. My website is cassidyhall.com. Please visit the podcast's website at encounteringsilence.com. There you can learn more about each of our episodes and find links to purchase books and other resources we discuss on this podcast. When you make a purchase through a link we provide, the podcast receives a small affiliate commission from Amazon.com. Thank you for doing so. Please also visit Patreon.com slash Encountering Silence to learn more about how you can be part of our circle of supporters. Our circle of supporters help tremendously in sharing our efforts to bring meaningful conversations about silence to our all-too-noisy world. Thank you.